The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Welcome to Scissoring Isn't a Thing. I'm Darren Carp, and as always, I'm here with the beautiful, let me let me just say beautiful because of the filter, Liz Cully here today. How are you doing, Liz? <laughs> well, it is always because of a filter. Um, God, Darren, you know what I, what I think is so funny is I think the more time we spend together in real life, the more you compliment me, which let me tell you, I <laughs> really the opposite enjoy. of Taylor Strecker. The longer <laughs> I know Taylor Strecker, the more I tease her about all the worst things. It's like, I don't know, Liz, you're just having this effect on me overall in my life. And we had fun times last night, Soho House. We did. Yeah, so we fun. did. We had drinks with a new uh friend named Nick who did DM me and said thank you for such a great evening I listen Nick was a lovely addition to dinner but I Darren and I drove home together after the dinner and I just like should have kept it you and I you and I never get to see each other in real life and so while he was great to have It's like I didn't get enough one-on-one time with you, I felt like. Well, I do think we didn't get enough time to just, I mean, no, no shade to Nick. Nick is amazing. I'm just saying that like this has, this has nothing to do with Nick. It was just like you had Pilates at 7 a.m. So like I knew that it wasn't going to be a late night because we were supposed to go out at nine. And then Liz was like, I'm old. Let's meet at seven. And I was like, yeah, that's fair. We met at seven. And I feel like you and I always need like five hours of just pure shit talking to yeah. then actually get to like the good stuff. Um, and it was still really nice to see you. I mean, you looked great. We had lovely drinks at Soho House, which was always very fun. And you were updating me on all of your lives. I know. Um, updating me on all of your lives. Liz and I just got a simultaneous text. I checked my Apple Watch. She checked her iPhone. But we're moving on. We just had we're a mo- moment. Wait, we just had a moment. Well, okay. But so, wait. Darren, you and I were together last night, but. We we really had a funny weekend. Well, we okay. did have a we did have a, I had a stressful weekend. You had like a better weekend than I did, but it sort of involves me. But let me just say that when we were talking about on the Taylor Strecker show, it's like, how do these co-hosts afford their lives? And I was like, yeah, these people think that we're like on yachts every day. And then Taylor goes, well, Liz was on a yacht the other day, and I was like, okay, <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> and fair. I was like, I was like, that's a fair point. But anyway. Please tell the listeners, because we've been watching L Word. We're huge fans of L Word. We want everyone from the L Word. We want, literally, we want the extra in the background who, like, has no lines to come on our show to talk about okay, the L Word. Okay, wait. That's how you and do. I feel about the L Word. It's That's true. how we feel. And I think the listeners need to understand how long this saga has been going on for. Okay, so let's dial all the way back to a time of 2019 November. I hosted an Elward Generation Q party in Los Angeles before Darren and I like started this podcast. I invited people like Fortune Feimster, who's been a guest, um, Tess Holiday, tons and tons of people in Los Angeles. Absolutely. You're you're a fixer. You always know people. Okay. Well, right, but I'm just giving you, you just, the story here. I know. So but you just I had, know people. I got to see a screener of the show before it came out. Right, right, right. And as I'm watching it, Finnegan, I was like, why does this person Finley. look... Or Finley, sorry. Fuck him, Finnegan. Jesus Christ. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows what I'm talking about? Okay. Yeah, Pilates at 7 a.m. I know. I'm we're, tired. We're... Like, I'm old. What can I say? Anyway, so I'm watching the show, and 
Finley, I'm like, why does she look so familiar? And then the credits rolled. Right. And I look at the name, Jacqueline Taboni. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that's so funny. And I am not lying to you guys, and I am not exaggerating. But I literally turned to Rachel, and I was like, that's so funny. I, like, grew up with this kid named Joey Taboni. Okay. Okay. I go and I Which go Which is not to, a common last name, but it could be just a yeah, weird whatever. coincidence. Right. So then I go and I start looking at everyone in the new cast. Ari Mondi, who like just came on our Love, show. I went and yep. looked her. She was amazing. Front of the podcast. Looked her up. I looked like, like I looked up all the new people because I'm like, who are all these people? Right. Jacqueline Taboni, born in San Francisco. Rob, and I was like, oh, my God, this has to be his little sister. So then I contact my friend Stephanie. Stephanie, you guys have heard about because Stephanie got Meg Allen on our show, who's amazing. That's correct. Who had the okay. amazing book Butch. Great she was the amazing book Butch, who's like friend of ours now. Yeah. And I'm like, I hit up Stephanie and I was like, dude, is this Joey Taboni's little sister? Stephanie was the maid of honor in Joey's wedding. Like it just goes deep and deep and deep. So right. I cold emailed, as we do, as we do. Jacqueline's team. You've DM'd her. Yes. I've DM'd her. To be fair, we've checked last night and they all went unread. So it wasn't like she read it and ignored. I'm okay. saying that I'm saying that out okay. loud. I'm saying that out loud. Right. So like there have just been so many attempts, just so you guys listeners right. know. Like we're trying. We are trying to get her on the show. Okay. And then we had our team at Embassy Row reach out and like no tea, no shade, but no one ever responded to us. Right. So I go on the yacht. I run yeah. into a different person named Corey who we wanted on the show, who we're going to get on the show. And I like totally. do this whole like nerd, like, hi, I'm Liz Cully. Like, I don't give a fuck, like whatever. So Rachel and I then go on a date to this restaurant in Venice, which technically I'm banned from, but I don't think that they remember. That's a story for another time. But like I'm hiding in the corner. Rachel goes to the bathroom and she sits down and is like, Joey Taboni's sister is at the bar. And I was like, shut the fuck up. And I literally look at her. I go, is this going to be a, a twofer in one night where I go and right. I look like a dweeb? And I'm like, she's like, I don't know. And I look at her and I fucking knock back. A glass of wine. Well, like, you literally called me. You well, called no, no, me. I'm not there yet. Hold on. Okay, okay. I okay. knock back the fucking wine, and I go to the bathroom and I call you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm I, like, why am I getting a call from Liz at night? I was like, it's rare. Like usually we're like we because you're so busy at night. I'm so busy at night. But I was like, Liz is it was calling late. me. It was late. I was like, some because I'm East Coast, so I'm three hours later than whatever you were doing. So it was like literally midnight, and I was like, this is not normal. Like she doesn't okay. really call me this late. So then, then I'm so hold on. Well, and first I had texted Stephanie. So I texted Stephanie, called Stephanie, hung up because I was also like, uh, uh, I gotta just call Darren. So I like called Darren, you guys, and the bathroom is tiny. It's a fucking one sink two tiny little stall ba restaurant bathroom right. one sink two stalls and i'm on the phone in the bathroom and i with darren and i go yeah. like this joey taboni's <laughs> sister is and as i'm saying the words taboni jacqueline and I, fucking taboni walks in 
Well, you were like, so Liz was on the phone with me and she was like, do I say something? Like, what do I say? Like, do I go up to them? And I was like trying to coach her through this because you were like this. And then all of a sudden I'm on the other end, like being like, we're at the same bar. Like, what am I going to do? And then all of a sudden I hear Liz go like, oh my God, hey. And then hangs up the phone on me, like mid-sentence. I was like, something happened. And then 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 you pick up the story. Okay. So I literally say her fucking name to Darren. Hang up in Darren's face like ha, 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 ha. hang up the phone and I literally go and she looks also sort of like shocked in this weird way and I go hi okay I was on the call I was on the phone and I was asking my friend if I should yeah. say something to you and I was like this is so weird I'm born and raised in San Francisco I like grew up I went to common of the sacred heart your brother and then like we I know you guys went to St. Brennan's like I'm really good like I'm childhood friends with Stephanie I've asked her to get you I'm and then I felt like such a fucking loser because then you're like, like what are these words coming out of my mouth exactly. but I can't stop saying these and words then I, and then right. I literally go and I have a podcast and we really want you on it and she's like confused but being so lovely by the way she's in a so suit lovely. in a full suit why you know, I, I don't that. know you know, you know I love that she hugs me multiple times. We start like talking about all the fucking random people. Like literally like not just like, oh, I kind of know that person. Like literally kids that I grew up with. Do you know what I right. mean? And we have this whole thing. And I was like, dude, I went to ACT. She's like, so did I. Like we just had this like lovely moment. We hugged multiple times. She just got engaged. So then I started being like super weird. And I'm like, oh, my God, you just got engaged. Like hugging her, being so crazy. So then she goes. And and by the way, people are walking into the bathroom. It's a tiny it. bathroom. Right. And, and I'm leaning keep, on the other line like what's happening. And what's we keep being on? like, OK, like you go ahead. Sorry. We're like having this moment. Anyway, she legitimately could not have fucking been lovelier. I felt like such a loser. She was like, yeah, my team never brought this to me. <laughs> never brought this to me. Um, so like embarrassed but excited. And then she goes, okay, well. And then I, I, was, I was like, well, okay, well, how do we get you on the show? And she's like, DM me. I'm like, okay, well, my Instagram's listen to Liz. And she's like, that was pretty douchey. I'm like, oh, good. So then I dm her and i would literally wrote like i'm so mortified like i've clearly dm'd you before she still has not read it yet so again we've looked but guys we're trying guys we are trying i don't know what to tell you yeah but here's what i'm gonna ask the listeners that are listening right now just tag her the like tag the fuck out of her and tag at siat podcast and me and liz like and tag us both. Tag Darren. We should tag do. Me. We should do a post of being like calling all Jacqueline to bonies. No, like, because she's gonna fucking be like these psychopaths. I know. I don't know. I already. I mean, look like you're a like psychopath. calling me in the bathroom, and then she's walking. Like we're already at this point. We're already at okay. this psychopath. Anyway, also point. Stephanie, if you're listening, I'm gonna text you anyway. But she did say if I don't hit you back, hit up Stephanie to text me. So I don't know, Stephanie. F- fucking hell I've known, it, I was, I've, I've known you since I was 12 hook a girl up but I have to tell you I that was the funniest like it's so nice to be not sequestered in my home and actually like seeing you for drinks going on these weird yacht parties running into Joey Taboni's fucking sister in the bathroom like it's really a new right, world and I, I, for me I, my main question is how do you afford this lavish lifestyle <laughs> 
I don't. I like rent my apartment in West Hollywood and like I mean it's like what are you talking about? Rent renting is the best way to go. But yeah, like Liz got like Liz got caught scissoring in the wild, I wanna say. Like that's totally. really what it was. Like you actually got caught scissoring in the wild. Well, at least I wasn't a huge fucking dweeb and asked for like a photo or something strange. That would have been worse. Like I feel oh, like I would that would never. Been, yeah, I would that never. would have been worse. That would I would worse. never. Anyway, so like what a time. And speaking of like people in common, knowing people, our guest this week is somebody that you know and that yes, I who sort you of knew. Both know. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead, Darren. Take it. Yeah, no, it's all. uh well it's my friend so my very good friend Rachel her like best friend is uh this artist Stephen Rabel and I have seen him Rabel is he goes by Rabel so W-R-A-B-E-L that's his like artistry name so I think he's okay with us just calling him his last name yeah um but Rabel is awesome I've seen a show with my very good friend Rachel they kind of grew up together he his best friend is Kesha he writes for all the major fucking pop artists he's a beautiful lyricist himself a beautiful producer just like he's still on everything under the sun like you know a Rabel song if you don't know that you know a Rabel song type of thing like he's yeah. just everywhere and he's fantastic and and I knew him yeah I knew I, him I texted you yeah and I was like do you want to have Steven Rabel on and you're like oh my god yes and so we kind of it was very circuitous how you guys know each other as well but also through mutual friends it was like with a girl I dated like he knew a girl that I dated back in Texas where they grew up because That's remember, right. he was younger. Yeah, it's fun. You guys will hear about it. I mean, you know, I think the beauty of scissoring isn't a thing. Is that one, like, we have had such an interesting guest list. Like, we have such interesting people from all walks of life, from every fucking career that are, like, on the brink, super famous. Like, we, it's just so fun to We've do We've had a lot show. of different, yeah, it is, it is. And um, <laughs> I have to tell you, though, one thing before we, we cut to the, the longer interview. Do you, Darren, when when you get asked about what the name of this podcast is, do you ever like pause? Before? Like, I do still get a little embarrassed. I because think I had to point. do it a lot this week. I w- she was like, well, fucking Jacqueline Taboni, well, what's the name of the podcast? I was like, well, it's called Scissoring, isn't a thing. But the thing is, it's like, Every time I say it, like, yeah, there's this twinge of, like, it's, like, cringe where you're, like, I know that you know what I know when I say this, but (laughs) it also is, like, you're never going to forget that name. Like, you're never going to forget that name because you're going to be, like, oh, that's jarring. Like, uh, oh, yeah, like... I've gotten that before. I was ho- ho- I was hosting this, co-hosting this, like, interactive advertising bureau podcast upfront, and we talked about the podcast, and the okay, main that host that just was like, sounded like the most, like, industry shit ever. It was. It was literally a podcast upfront, and they were like, Darren, you co-host a podcast called Scissoring Isn't a Thing. Why do you think it's so important to, like, have queer representation? Like, why is it so important to, like, give these people platforms? I was like, so that way, in professional business settings, you guys can say scissoring isn't a thing professionally, you know? And she was laughing. And I was like, yeah, it's not something that you want to say in front of, like, a million advertisers or in, like, the corporate business world. Like, but it's but it's also kind of important to do that. Like, we're kind of destigmatizing the cringe of it all. So I, I like, I still like the title. I'm still a fan. No, I love it too. Are you kidding me? When I got my fucking new job, everyone's like, let's call it from scissoring is a thing. Yeah, I was yeah. like, and I literally want to put my fucking face through a yeah. plate I glass. told you, no, every, every time my mom's like, I listened to you scissor last week. And I'm like, no. 
No, you didn't. No, no, you didn't. But I like to support. But no, you didn't. God. Well, I can't wait for everyone to listen to this Rabel interview. He's like the sweetest. I'm obsessed with him. One. Two. He just came out with a new track, too. So everyone listened to that. Oh, okay. We mentioned it on the show. Oh, yeah, uh, that's right. He's on Spotify, and he's just fantastic. He's the best. And uh, everybody go uh, hit up Jacqueline, a.k.a. Finley, from the new installment of The L Word and yes. remind her that we are cool and that we are fun and that she and should that come are, on our show. Do a proper interview. We will do her justice, we promise. Oh, my God. I mean, we were literally talking about the Easy Freezy, which was a uh, corner store in West Portal where we all used to buy cigarettes in, like, Alizé underage. Like, come on, Jacqueline. Come on the show. Alex. Come on. Passion fruit Alizé. Oh, my God. My, yeah, yeah. That was my Alizé, shit. Alizé, though. I mean. <laughs> in, my, in high school. I used to drink that shit all the time. And, and the, the worst part is that I would drink it. This is so gross. I would actually put it with Sprite. So as it was if like you couldn't get, like, fizzy. sweet and, like, disgusting enough, you made it even sweeter with Sprite. It's one thing to I put mean, seltzer and, like, increase the carbonation. But, no, you're like, I'm going to pour sugar on top of sugar seltzers, and then mix it with a little bit more listen, sugar. Seltzers were not popular in the year of 2001, first of all. Second well, of all... we were in Jewish households, and yes. My uh, my refined palate didn't come so much later. <laughs> That's fair. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Well, guys, I hope you enjoy the passion fruit alizé of music. Stephen Rabel, enjoy... Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he would... Appreciate that title. Yeah. Uh, but enjoy Rabel, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Well, 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 ladies and gents, hailed as one of the greatest singer and songwriters alive today by somebody who um, is not a lesbian yet. We all wish she was pink. Rabel's debut album out September 24th via Big Gay Records and Network. These words are all for you. Centers on the warm vocal presence and introspective songwriting. Rabel first revealed on his breakthrough 2014 hit, 10 Feet Tall, which I love and is in my liked liked Spotify list. Thank you very much. Yep. On the way to creating his first full-length effort, he's also delivered hit songs such as 11 Blocks, with Kygo and Marshmallow, released a live album written for Pink, Kesha, Backstreet Boys, Casual. Uh, big hits included 2018 GLAAD Media Award nomination being named the yes, man. 2017 Out 100. Actually, I think I was there. Maybe that's where we met. Yeah. And joining Pink on her 2019 European Stadium tour, Rabel is also has mutual friends with Darren, Welcome to Scissoring Isn't a Thing. Thank you. Hey, Steven. Hello. <laughs> now, do you prefer if we say, like, Steven, or do you prefer Rabel? Because I feel like Rachel calls you Rabel, so I've just known to call you Rabel, but it's, I'm happy to Everybody calls me either whichever, whatever flies out of your mouth, I'm okay with. I'm okay. not Steve. <laughs> I have a hard line at Steve. Oh, you're not, yeah, a, not Steve. a Steve. I don't no. see that for you. No. Mm. Rabel, for those who aren't familiar with you uh, and who should be, Uh, We ask all of our guests how they identify sexually as well as their gender pronouns. Would you mind answering that for us just so we get everything right uh, up at top? For sure. For sure. I identify as a gay man. Uh, My pronouns are he, him. Okay, great. And And if if someone were to call you, what is your relationship with the word queer? Do you care? Do you like it? 
I am down with it. I like it. I think it's great. Okay, cool. Some people like prefer just the kind of the queer label and then other people are like, no, I think I still associated, I think it with the derogatory term that happened like kind of back in the 80s, 90s. So I just, you know, if we say queer community, I want to make sure that you're okay with that. Yeah, totally. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. How long have you been making music in LA or everywhere? You're still in LA, aren't you? I'm st- currently I am in North Carolina. It might not focus right, but oh this is my where god, I'm at. you guys! Like, you're um, you're at your parents, right? I'm in like my dad's weird like sports dungeon. <laughs> but but by the I'm, way, like, for the listeners, slowly going back into the man cave. It's a man cave. Also looking at is that a beautiful lake or a? There's yeah. a beautiful lake. Um, my parents got a place here. I think that they're secretly moving here and not telling. They're like, we're going to split the time. But like I pulled up and our last name is like on a placard in front of the house. And I was like, it seems like you live yeah. here. That seems permanent to me. It seems very. There's a car here that stays oh, no, here. They, trust me, my oh, parents pulled that bullshit. Unfortunately, both. it was Florida. <laughs> and now they're full time in Florida. So, yeah, you're yeah. and. And my parents it's... have a placard in front of the house that says Cully Cottage, and they live there. Oh. They live there. Here is the lake. Everything says, like, why don't you jump in the lake? Or, like, look at the lake. Or every <laughs> fucking thing in the house is a Rebels lake. Is next, about next the single. Lake. Why don't you jump it's in like the lake? lake? I wrote a song <laughs> called The Lake. I'm not even kidding. I wrote it before this, so it's kind of, like, not as funny as I wish it was. But it was, like... I think my mom was like, you manifested this house for us. Because mm. it was like, if you ever need a break, I got a house on the lake. Oh. Um, I, um, I get it. So have you been in the lake? Have you gone swimming in the lake? No, I don't really think, I don't, no. It's not for you. Like, you don't like that <laughs> I, you can't see the bottom? You I write songs like about water it. water where, like, I had a traumatic experience in the ocean once where we got caught in a oh, riptide. No. So I kind of blame it on that. But we were like floating out there for like five hours in the Great Barrier Reef. And there's like sharks and stuff. And ever since then, I won't even put my toes in the water. I like a boat. I'll be on a boat. Even but you we don't have like a little battery dip in boat. a pool. You don't dip a pool, in a pool. I love a pool. Okay. Love a jacuzzi. You see the bottom. I love a jacuzzi. <laughs> Okay. I love, but there's something about I'm not the most nature. So why are you in North guy. Carolina? <laughs> it's so pretty okay, to fair, look fair, at it. Fair, 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 fair. <laughs> but you correct me if I'm wrong here, and maybe this is me having a little bit more information, just because I know you and my very good friend is Rachel, who Rachel Titan, who you're very good friends yeah. with. You grew up in Texas, right? Yes, that is and, accurate. I grew up in yeah, where Houston. Houston? Okay, I, I've heard of it. I've heard of Houston, Texas before. <laughs> familiar, familiar. When when did you leave Houston? Because I kind of want to get into your growing up in Texas and what that was yeah. like. I left uh, for college. I left, so what, I was like 17 or 18. And never came back. I, I never well, came back. Well, and were you out in high school? No, so I, I came out uh, in my like early, mid-20s. I think we had one openly queer person in our high school. Like a girl or a boy? So it was a boy. And so it was very like, you know, I mean, our school was like, uh, like the bushes went there. Like, 
Oh. It was like very like, Uppity. you know, it was kind of, yeah, all that. It was very like, ooh, like, wow, this is like some fancy. Um, but yeah, there wasn't really, I don't know that I had anyone to kind of be like, oh, I, I, I'm, we're alike. Let's hang out or did I you can know, see myself in. Did you know that you were gay before you came out? Like, I know, which is a weird thing to say, but everyone kind of has their own experience. Like, when were you totally. first aware that you were a gay man? Uh, pretty early. I want to say like fourth grade, probably something like that. I think wow. I was like, oh, my crushes are on boys, not girls. And then middle school. I mean, I feel like once the once like puberty starts, you're kind of like, oh, <laughs> it's sort of for me. It was the thing that kind of was like, oh, OK, like I see where this is headed. And but I was not I never really had you know, someone to kind of look up to and kind of just identify with and be like, oh, I kind of am like that. And I grew up in the church, so it was very much like from a young age hearing that's, you know, distorted nature. And that's like these really kind of heavy things that I think seep in. And from from almost as I was realizing uh, things about myself, I was also realizing, you know, that it's wrong. So it's this weird dual, like two plants are growing at the same time and interweaving and like this kind of, in hindsight, which became a really fucked up internal tangle, like some weird not, if I was an outdoorsy person. Making right. a lot of, right. making a lot of tree right. references for somebody that doesn't. Yeah, for do someone that. who doesn't, someone who glamps uh, over camping. Do you mind if I ask you a few questions about that? Just because I'm no. actually curious. I mean, so like because you didn't have any like touchstones of someone maybe that was like, okay, this person's out and gay and living a great life. So maybe I can too. Was it really like everything that you thought about gay people was steeped in the church or did you see people who were like coming out in your community and their parents were like, you're going to conversion therapy or you're going to hell. And then they would become automatically straight, you know, kind of with a wink and a nod. Like what was it for you that was like, you're bad and you can't be out. Yeah, for me, it was, it was, I think I got a lot from the church and, and, you know, none of my friends were queer. So it was kind of just like, oh, I think this, I really kind of believe like, oh, this is I like probably like a phase or something or like, I think this will probably go away. And then mm. getting from the church so much about it, the negativity and the just kind of like very deep deep like soul like pit of your existence kind of like wrong bad like evil like demon like not even just like oh you don't do that but it's like no there's something like seriously wrong and so that kind of i didn't say the i didn't say the words i'm gay out loud until i was like 20 something and like blackout drunk by myself like on my weird couch like chain smoking cigarettes like whispering to myself like really dark in hindsight I'm like That's in LA fun, or where were you, you know, at just, that time that was LA yeah nothing is actually wow. like darker than chain More smoking LA. cigarettes <laughs> when you're in your early 20s whispering Alone to yourself your in the yeah. nighttime that you're gay that's actually terrifying <laughs> um because it was probably in like North Hollywood which is even more gross you know what? It was on Hollywood Ugh. Boulevard, street level, street no. facing. Bad. What? Wow. Rent controlled. Rent controlled. 
No natural light. No, oh, I yeah, got Oh yeah, you're out. rich now. I forgot. No. He's like, he's like successful and rich and looking at a lake right now, sweetie. So I think he's, he's moved on from <laughs> now Hollywood. now I live on lakes. Did you feel like <laughs> your music, I mean, I know you had been playing shows with good old Amy Cooney in high school and you went to LA, I assume, to pursue the arts. Do you feel like once you started to have those like secret whispers in the night on Hollywood Boulevard, uh, your music changed? Did it evolve? Did what happened? You know, it's that's a really uh, interesting question. There's there's one song in particular that I wrote before I came out uh, and before I got sober. I've gotten sober twice now and before the first one. Uh, I wrote this song, it's called Jupiter and we put it out, I, I think on a live album last year. Um, but it was this song about this girl. I had a girlfriend when I was 20 in LA. Um, she was so nice. Uh, it was kind of like one of those things where you're like, we're hanging out all the time. I think we're supposed to be dating now. Yeah, like mm -hmm. totally. You know you doing, that kind of. Were you like sleeping with her? Can well, I yeah, we did. That? We did. Okay. We did the stuff. Do you feel um, we did the stuff? Nothing has sounded <laughs> we scissored like gayer. Yeah, we like gayer than that. <laughs> around. We, we coitus. Stuff. We hung out. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we hung out, but yeah, it was kind of that thing and I wrote this song and it's basically like uh no I'm gonna I'm not a monster but I'm gonna quote a lyric yes. <laughs> but it sounds like I'm a monster but it was like you and me could only be in make-believe and fantasy I know it's true but I still want you and I I like thought it was mm -hmm. this pretty song and then in hindsight like once I got sober the second time came out you know all the way and like whatever I'm looking back I'm like that's kind of crazy that I wrote this song about how I wanted to be with this girl, but in a, on Jupiter, like in another fucking world, we could be together. And I was kind of like, wow, that's like- Deep. I deep. actually, I took it as like, you were you were dating her. Originally when you said that, I thought you were actually thinking about like being with a guy, like, cause we can't be together in real life. Right. So we can be together on Jupiter and in my make-believe. And even though it's wrong, I still want to be with you. That's totally. to me wow. how I interpreted when you were saying that. It, do you mind if I ask questions about your sobriety a little bit? Just no, cause not at all. Is you, you coming out, is that tied into your sobriety? Like, did you feel like they, you were into drugs because you couldn't come out or are they not related at all? I, I kind of see them as like, existing in a Venn diagram where they share some common space. I don't, I think I view addiction as a disease, as like sure. a predisposition to this. And my understanding is if I do a line of blow and a normal quote unquote, a normie does a line of blow, we're going to have different reactions. And they might mm -hmm. be like, oh, I didn't like that. And I'm going to be like, oh, <laughs> how did you what? not like that? Yeah, <laughs> I don't understand. Um, I definitely think that they tie in together because like clearly in high school I was doing crazy shit that most high schoolers are not doing and I think in many ways it was you know running away from or ex escaping uncomfortable feelings um one of those feelings definitely being like I don't know who I am and I think I might know but I don't want to be that and I don't think that that's okay and so the first time I got sober, I almost came out while I was in treatment, but I didn't. And then I'm actually kind of glad. Um, Why? But the first, 
my first treatment center was like a very mm. religious How program old were you? in Texas. Mm-hmm. I was 20. I got out on my 21st birthday, which is like, that's wow. a real doozy. That's ironic. Yeah, that's yeah. a little, uh, that's a little irony it's there for horrible. you. Yeah. <laughs> You're not um, recommending this. <laughs> yeah, no, I highly recommend not doing this. Yes. Um, and then I was sober for almost five years. Um, and I came out during that during that time. And I think once I kind of felt like, okay, I'm sober, I came out probably three years sober, something like that. Um, and then it was my first breakup. I think that really kind of threw me off the kind of ledge Wagon. of, yeah. Whatever. And also Fireball was introduced into the marketplace and that was Forget just about like it. Forget not it. That's good. It's not fair. No, it's like you can't be like that's sad not real. And like yeah, three quarters away out of the closet, and then fireball comes around. You're just like, this is not good for anybody. When you look back at that time, you're in your 30s, right? I mean, you're kind of our age. You know, a lady 19. never asks. I'm, okay, yeah, I know. I'm 32. I'm yeah, 32. okay. Okay, so I'm 33. So we're, the, we're we're same age. And when you look back at that time, was it harder to come out or was it harder to get sober? Wow. Oh my gosh. That's a crazy question. That's a good one. I think that's really hard to answer. I think it was harder to come out, which is actually surprising me as it's coming out of my mouth. Wow. And where do you stand on your faith or religion today? I mean, did you excommunicate that part completely when you came out or did you find kind of a path to have both in your life? I, at the very beginning, I went on... I always say we were like Romeo and Romeo, like leaving a burning church on a unicorn. Like it was very dramatic. Um, that needs my, to be an uh, album hundred percent. Yeah. Oh just my god! Like the the remixes or something. Also, um, I don't see. I'm actually just gonna one second. I've just visualized you and act, Little Nas X actually with a, yet amazing. another yet another remix of that goddamn song. Kesha can um, be the unicorn. Kesha's in yeah. the episode, like <laughs> setting fire and you guys are like holding hands on horror. Yeah, Kesha, yeah. Kesha's burning yeah, the flame. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm into okay, this. I'm just saying, well, we would like to be on set. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, like be the photo shoot, but I yeah. I feel like sorry. there may be CGI involved. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But we can cross that proverbial bridge. Yes. Um, that's a good image. I'm like, actually, this, you know, we could do it on the I'm- lake. <laughs> 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 I'm looking out here and I'm like, we got like, space. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Um, uh, but yeah, back yeah. to your faith. I mean, do you have any now? <laughs> oh, you know, when I, when we first, we were, there's something in the Bible somewhere. I never got around to reading that whole thing, but um, That's for where the there's a process of, uh, I did read everything that talks about homosexuality. I highlighted it in a bulletproof Bible that I was given, which is like so layers of fucked up. But, what? Um, wait, 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 my God. It was something about the armor of Christ or something, and it, the Bible was cased in a bulletproof. Did it have like a little, note. like a handle, like a like a briefcase? Like how heavy it is would, that? It would satchel clothes. You would just hold oh it like God. a little, like your. Do you still have my, that? I don't know. Probably in a box in my garage. Sick. Wow. Sick. I would actually like like to have that in the music video somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. We're holding it 
We're yeah, right. Oh, and the... yes, and all these people you... are trying. Everyone's trying to get you, and you keep holding it up in front of your face, and it's blocking your face from getting shot. No, but you got to do the. Tr- you got to do the Trump hold where it's like backwards yeah, and upside like, down. Like holding it like, what is what This is was a sorry, Bible? Really, what the hell? Sorry. Yeah. I apologize. I'm really on one today. Amazing. And we're liking like these it. album covers. It's yeah. Good visuals. I need to make a few calls after this. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but I, yeah, we they did this thing where like first you confront someone in private, then you confront them in public, and then you do something and tell the church elders, and then you kick them out. And whatever it is, they did all this stuff where we were, because we we were, like, holding hands. I mean, it was the most innocent, like, wholesome, like, sweetest, most beautiful thing ever. We met through church. Are you kidding me? And then we're, like, holding hands in church. Like, to me, I'm looking back, I'm just like, how is there anything? That's like this, you should be so stoked if you're at church. Like, oh, my gosh, like, these two people met here and they're holding hands in church. Like, this is so cute. They didn't think it was cute. They thought it was pretty gross. And so mm-hmm. we were kicked out and I went on a quest to find places that were accepting and places that would would not only just allow us to be there, but really celebrate and see us as people and see our relationship as valid. And, you know, especially back then, even in the eyes of God, like I think one of the most dangerous things ever in my experience as a queer person growing up was someone taking the voice of God and using it against. Right. Like if you have an opinion and you want to say you're gross and whatever, it's like, okay, you're an idiot and you're like wrong and you're a bad person, but you can, okay. Like you have the cool. right to be an idiot. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, right. okay, cool. But when it's given the voice of God to, especially to queer people that grow up in the church, really believing in this create like everything reading the book and being like oh my gosh this is the key to life this is my existence my soul like that is so dangerous and 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 kills people it it just does it kills people and so um my darkest moments in my life were rooted in that in this belief that something is innately wrong in my soul in my being in my you know, it's so, it goes so deep. And so I went out and I found, there was one church in the valley and we walked in, it was all queer people. There was a trans person leading oh worship God, and we that. were just beaming and sobbing. And I seeked out this thing called the Gay Christian Network. And we went to like the first national convention. And like, I was just on this quest to find the both, you know, like, Because it was very much you're told you can have one or the other. You can either follow your, you know, heathen ways or you can have God. And and so my big quest for me and and my my boyfriend at the time was to find the both. And and we found it. And I think in, in some ways that was enough for me where I was like, this exists. This is amazing. At this point, I don't know where I'm at really with everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I look at the lake and I look at nature and I look at the sky and I meet people and talk and end up sobbing and hugging the person next to me on the airplane and staying in touch forever. And you bump into someone on the street and you have a car. Like, there's something going on out there, I believe. And I, I love that. And I think there's this beautiful connection. And in many ways, my queerness has shown me that in really cool ways of like some of my most spiritual feeling moments 
have been in humongous rooms filled with queer people and feeling the weight of that and the connection of that and the life and the love and just the knowing that we're connected in this beautiful way. And to me, that's, there's something going on. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a weird and, and pretty difficult struggle between those two things. Because part of me, and I didn't grow up religious, so I guess for me, I probably have a pretty biased view of the thought process that should go on. I wasn't part of fundamentalism or indoctrination, but part of me, and we had Heather Gay on, who's a Salt Lake City housewife, and we were talking about Mormonism. And she was like, you can be gay and be Mormon, but you just can't practice being gay. But like, we accept gay people, you just can't be a practicing gay, which... There's nuance there, but essentially, you know, she was, she understood what she was saying, like a little bit of a hypocrite there, but she was like, we just don't like you practicing being gay. But for me, I always found it interesting of like, if God made us, right, that means God's making the queer people and the trans people and the pansexual people, just like they are making the straight cis het people, then why when I like, isn't it God's fault? I'm kind of like this. Like for me, I was always like, well, isn't that like God's fault? Like you god is setting me up to fail in this god made me be alive so i could go to but hell darren, kind of darren the problem that? is is that yes that is in rabel please correct me or add on to this but in i think what somebody could argue is that god didn't make you gay because it what it's actually a choice and it's an act as opposed to something that you're born with so they don't even like what you're saying is but god made it a choice though like oh. that's my thing it's like if no, god's making everything that's god's where making it, it a choice like, that's where it goes into like exactly. free will human human nature the human condition i mean you like having gone through like you know super evangelical like the church i went to in la was like a cult and mm-hmm. like looking back and being like even the songs you're singing about how like I am a wretched, yes. awful sinner. It's and crazy. It's just like, oh, what You're born a sinner. You're like born that way. And then on. you have to basically yeah. then. And then you you have this choice. And so there is both, both of those, I think, are, are valid arguments of like, well, if, if God's creating everything, then then they created this. And and that's where I, I believe fully now that like if whatever we're created as we're created and we have free will too and like whatever but someone's identity and someone's capacity to love is isn't you know if you're loving the same sex that's like that's not what's that's not wrong that's like incredible like right you can love you have love oh my like and that for me was the the biggest moment that really helped me push through everything was like our first moment of like oh we like each other or or whatever was like driving up onto the 101 and we held hands and we both like giggled and had a single tear and i was just like this is especially growing up hearing gay people are this and gay people are that and you hear about all this crazy stuff and like they're all pervs and they're all this and they're you know it's just all this and then i'm like but we just literally held hands going onto the 101 and it was so cute and it was so right. sweet and i was just like nothing's wrong here and that and that sense really did like and i don't mean that in a way of like judging whatever i know that's not like a whatever but 
it was just kind of this thing where I never, I just had this thing in my brain that kept going off that's like, that's not right, that's not right, about people saying like, this is, you know, eternal damnation. I'm at one of my best friend's birthday parties. Some guy from the church came up to me and like pulled me aside. I missed the happy birthday and everything because he's telling me, you will be eternally separated oh from gosh. everyone you love in this human life or whatever they call it. And I'm just like, whoa. That was one of I also then like smashed a wine bottle that night and I like <laughs> I, I left with like a water bottle filled with vodka in my blazer. And then that was a dark night. But I was like, you did this, sir. Well, right. When <laughs> yeah. people are like your shoving that let, you didn't ask for that Down conversation. You got pulled right. away during what is the right. most climactic part of a birthday party, the motherfucking happy <laughs> yeah, birthday. I literally am hearing them sing happy birthday. I was like, this sucks. <laughs> How um, True. deep when you're writing with other artists do you get and how quickly like does that happen? Because I feel like, you know, to write some of the songs that you've written with such incredible and very um, like singer song, right? I mean, yeah, you've done a lot of pop hits, but it's a poetic. lot of the songwriters that you're, or the musicians you're working with are songwriters themselves, right? Adam Lambert, Pink, yeah. obviously Tori Kelly, Ben Platt, like it goes on and on and on. Um, how deep and how quick do you get with them? It's different every time. I mean, there. I've been in sessions with unnamed artists where they will just be sitting there giving nothing, like, on their phone. Like, mm. where I'm like, what? Do you want me here? Like, <laughs> like what are <laughs> yeah. we doing? And and I think some artists are are more are singers, sure, and and are performers, and some artists are creators and are writers themselves. And one of the kind of most incredible examples to me is Kesha. The first time we met, um, we wrote a song that I think it was a bonus track in Japan on her album. Sick. Um, but it's called Emotional. And we both yeah. have like matching <laughs> tattoos of the of this lyric from it. And it was like one of the most honest songs I've ever been a part of in my entire life. And it was from Hi, Nice to Meet You. I'm Steven. Hi, nice to meet you. I'm Kesha. Boom. We're crying. We're laughing. We're writing. We're talking about every single thing in life. And that was, I mean, now she's like my fairy god sister. Like it was a pretty fast, we have like a very sibling relationship. Um, but it was such a, it was so inspiring to, to, you know, like they say, never meet your idols, like whatever. Cause some of them are horrible people really mean, but but just to see, like, she had no ego. She was so down to to write about what was going on in her life. And, and like, I think the third line of the song is, like, I ended up in rehab, and I was just like, this is not what I thought we were going to do today. Um, in, the best, in the best way, you know, it was just so refreshing and so cool. And so it's kind of different with every artist. My favorite artist are, are, is that, is someone that, that can just you can say what's going on and you know you don't have to literally tell me every single thing about your most personal experiences right away i know that you need to build trust and stuff but it's my it's one of my favorite things 
in my life is is getting to share rooms and space with creative people that are down to be like, hey, this happened. I want to tell this story. Can you help me? As a singer songwriter yourself and you've you know created your own music as well as work with other artists when you're listening to songs that are coming out can you tell when your own experience like oh this song was written kind of in collaboration but they were involved in the song versus can you tell when a song was written and then it gets marketed out to the Dua Lipa's Justin Bieber's of the world and it's not necessarily authentic to them, but it's still a good song. Like, can you kind of tell the difference in the artistry? That's a good question. I don't, I don't know. I think I, I, I tend to not listen to a ton of new music just for my own brain. I get so easily insecure and so Mm. easily like, oh my gosh, is this what I'm, am I supposed to sound like this now? Or like, is, <laughs> what is this is the new sound? Like, what yeah. is TikTok and how do I be, be on it? Um, if you figure that <laughs> out, to the choir, please we have, let us know. Let us know and I'll take a tutorial. I'll pay you. Cool, cool, right, cool, right. cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but you know, I, I do think there's, and I think that there's space for, for everything. It's been kind of a, such a learning process for, for me as a writer and, and, of thinking, you know, there's writers out there that are writing these humongous, massive, international, smash, certified, bajillion sales. Despacito. Yeah. And and for a long time, I was like, well, why don't, why, why, me, why can't I? (laughs) And trying to to do that kind of. and, And I've reached a place where it's like, I, that's not my, that's not my zone. That's not my world. Um, and so I, I think, I like to think that when something is true, even if it was just true to the writers that wrote it and an and a artist that, you know, may not even know their first name, sings it, that they can communicate this emotion and that that's still a true thing. Um, I think you can feel that, I hope. And I, I feel like sometimes I, I can definitely hear that when you hear a song, you're like, oh, I can tell this came from something that was real. Um, but then there's songs that are like fun and about nothing where you're just like, this is awesome. Right. So it's kind of like not a, I don't take it as a positive or negative necessarily, but I do think that you can tell when something was put together in a way where it's like, and then this part's going to be really catchy. And then this part's going to be really catchy. And then this part's going to be even catchier. And then, and I don't know how to do that. So for me, those songs almost stick out more because I'm fascinated by it. And I'm like, you oh, mean like you every mean? Bonnie McKee song? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's like mathematical. I feel like at a certain point. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Before we do get to our game and we do have some kind of nonsense questions for you. When you first saw Lil Nas's X video of him, like doing the stripper pole with the devil music video as a man who grew up in a faith-based community, were you like, this is fucking awesome or you like <laughs> oh my god this is were gonna you like, like he's gonna get in so gonna, much trouble yeah right like, <laughs> like or were you like holy both. shit yes like both kind of i think that there's like i was talking to my manager about this uh, as the similar thing of like i definitely still have in me some of that like oh but blasphemy oh. <laughs> like how but but wait um, but I think that there, I mean, it's such a statement and such a like 
there's room there has to be room and and it's like there has to be room for for over the top like statements like that and i think i literally was like cut in half of like yeah yeah and like oh no but i think that that's like that's part of yeah that's part of what that that's of what that is yeah i think that was the right. point right but it also yeah, i think that was just point. really you know getting you prepared for our city slickers reimagined romeo and romeo <laughs> running right, off right. into the yeah on, on the, the horse, horse. yeah i Kesha see it with the flamethrower yeah. we've given rabel so many ideas liz Maybe i mean we're just gonna is rainbow <laughs> now well, you're so thinking. it's now so hot really that thinking. it's like that translucent like do you know what yeah, i mean <laughs> this is a perfect segue to our game liz because we're talking nonsense right now so we might as well just ask rabel some nonsense questions and scissor me this rabel are you ready to get asked the most thought-provoking questions of your life i don't know if i am all right these are going to be rapid <laughs> fire go. so all right first thing you think of liz tee oh, it okay. up from a man rabel if here. you had to eat eat mm. At one of these two places, which would it be? The Abbey or Dave and Buster's? Dave and Buster's. Yeah, the food is so bad. I'm a Dave and, I have my Dave and Buster's card in my wallet <laughs> at all times. I have, my Wait, Dave I and have to go to that gnarly one on Hollywood fan. and Highland. My wife. All no, the, my wife I'm made me go. And honestly, it was pre-pandemic. <laughs> and I was like, this place is dirty. And these children yeah, are dirty. all have runny noses. <laughs> yes. But your it's original question was the Abbey or Blazing I know, but Saddles. I it. Does that change uh, your does that no, change I'd your opinion? No, I go Blazing Saddles. I don't well, even the think they have food, so but I'd I'd probably rather eat there. <laughs> You'd rather starve at Blazing Saddles <laughs> yeah, than eat, eat. They have substance. like lime wedges, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, like a little okay. citrus salad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I know you're into skincare routine. Uh, mm -hmm. Rachel told me that you love every skincare product. Give me your best skincare line out there. What's your favorite? Ooh, uh, I love Augustinus Bader. Oh, he fancy. Okay, we got we got oh, a well, fancy. Rabel, Rabel got, got that oh, writing he, money. You know what no, I mean? Yeah, he got that writing. Money. He got that pink money. I knew Liz would know. <laughs> what, I knew Liz would know whatever the fuck you brought up, and I would not know anything. So this definitely tracks as to Liz's specialty and my specialty. <laughs> it's just okay, so it's fancy. Cream, That's what I know. Darren, oh, it is oh. called the cream or the rich cream. <laughs> Well, you do have really nice skin. Know, know your audience, Riz. Yes. Okay, yes. what Thank was you. the best act you ever saw at Hotel Cafe? Wow, that's so hard. Ooh, I mean, I've been going there for so many years. The one standout that thing that I is first thing on my head is um, I want to pronounce this right. I believe the artist's name is Claude, C L A U D. Mm -hmm. Performed a song called "I Wish You Were Gay." Um, they're a queer. Not artists. the Billy, not the Billy Eilish one. It wasn't that song. No. Okay. It's okay. like a different song, but it's their song, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" There's this thing in Nashville called the "I Wish I Wrote It" award, which I think is such a cool that award. Is. And I was like, I want to like print out like a like a handmade version of that award and hand it to you right now. That's kind of That's like awesome. really like stopped me, and I was just like, "Whoa, this is." Who really was the cool. most famous person you saw at Hotel Cafe? 
I don't know. You know, I never went to like the John Mayer thing. Oh, you didn't? I saw No, I went to one in New York, but it was during his like really hard time. Mm. And he went on like a really bad rant. Mm. And he played like over two hours, starting at like four in the morning, he played like three songs. And I was like, it was that, talk about like, don't meet your idols. I was like, this is not good. And then it's like, the next day it's like, trending news like and I was like oh my god I was there <laughs> okay you're like I, I I was on the front lines of this um mm. what who top three artists you've always wanted to work with but haven't yet wow um and they can be dead or alive actually I'm, I'm amending ooh. this you can pick Bowie you can pick the Beatles you can pick whatever you want way to lead the witness um, Darren well I'm just saying I'm I would just say Bowie the Beatles I'm just kidding yeah um uh I mean like Cliche, but Adele, Sam Smith, mm, um, mm. and like Frank Sinatra. Ooh, yes. Ooh. I don't know what I would do because I don't know how to play the piano that well. Like all the chords of jazz things, I would be like, mm. but maybe we could just like sit there and he would sing to me <laughs> and I would go, yay. <laughs> all right. Last one for you, Liz. Choose your best one here. So what is the worst Pop, like big song you've ever written and what is the best so- song that's like big that you've ever written whoa <laughs> okay like by big song does it have to be like on the radio kind of thing I haven't had well, that because yeah. I can definitely give you Just one give that it. like was like an okay. earner okay the worst was my first cut ever was the theme song for Minute to Win It game show starring Guy Fieri. (laughs) And it's my voice. It's a song called Get Up. Can you sing us the hook? And it's me. It's like, let's go everybody out on the floor. Get up, get up, because the party don't stop now. There's a complete countdown section that was written into the brief where we had to go, 10, (laughs) 9. Rachel did not tell me that you have a relationship to game shows, and I'm, like, disowning her as a friend. This is very major for me. Okay, Honestly, I keep it pretty under wraps. It's actually right on your Wikipedia page, like, sentence number four, so it's not under wraps at all. Well, that sucks. Um, (laughs) And my best song? Most proud of, maybe. Most proud of. One of the most special things to me was 90 Days that made its way to Pink. Um, yeah. Just the that song was such, I wrote it at the beginning of this relationship and it was such a page out of the diary. And those songs are always special. And I, I mean, pretty much everything I do for myself is that way. But the fact that something that started as such a small personal internal thing, then somehow by the grace of everything made its way to pink and that we're recording this song and it's coming out of her mouth and like i had so many moments in the even in the recording process where i would just she would start singing and i would start sobbing (laughs) but trying to like cover it up so i'm like this but going like this and she would stop and take her headphones off and come over and like hug me like she had to console me through her recording <laughs> the song and just like to yeah again to see something that started as such an internal thought 
that became a song that then were singing it at Wembley Stadium for, I don't know, 27 billion people or how many people crammed into that place. Like, that is one of my kind of most special moments of like a song can literally do you have no idea what's going to happen when you write a song it can change the world like music can change the world it's I mean, freaking crazy last question for you uh and i know you don't listen to a lot of new music but i kind of want to pass the mic here onto someone who's well into the music industry who do you think is the most underrated artist out there right now who deserves way more praise than they're getting I've, I've been working quite a bit and she's become a dear friend, an artist called Wafia um, uh, out of Australia. And she is, uh, she had a song with Louis the Child called Better Not, um, which is so, I mean, I, I wrote it with them. I was about to say it's like so good. <laughs> I'm really proud <laughs> you can of that say song. That. But she's an artist that like, I just think the world of, and I think that she's just like a, one of those like sprinkled with fairy magic dust in everything that she does and she cares so much and i i just think the world of her w-a-f-f-i-a why w-a-f-i-a w-a-f-i-a we'll definitely check them out well (laughs) like the song that we wrote together is awesome (laughs) but just like really though like her her music and and her heart is are just like awesome well, I love it. I'm going to definitely check her out. I can't wait. Rabel, you are just the best. The prince of pr- the best. The prince You're of the, the prince. Where can people follow you and super your dog duetting on TikTok? Because oh I gotta God, say, that's what you should super- do. So no, that's what I was I've doing. Seen- and I was like, this is like very candid, but it's fine. But I'm like, you know, my manager's like, get on TikTok, get on TikTok. I was like, okay, I'm going to put my dog on TikTok. And then like I do all these videos and like the the one that got like the most views was literally my dog reacting to well, a squeaky yeah. toy. While like all these other videos I'm like singing my face off and like doing all this stuff and it's like 54 views. There's a reason Super your dog is more famous than you because like as hot as Rabel is, Super's pretty even cute. Hotter. <laughs> yeah, he's like even hotter, so it's like it's not surprising. But yeah, where can people find you and Super and all of your music? I think I'm Ray, at Rabel, W-R-A-B-E-L, on, on everything. On TikTok, I think I'm Rabel Official. Ooh, yes. Yeah, baby. So you better watch. I just got trolled by someone the other day because like, <gasps> they were like, you have like no followers, but you're verified. <laughs> and I was like, ew. Ew. <laughs> like, what you're is like, this? You're like, true, but ew. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was actually surprised. I was like, you're right, I am verified. <laughs> And I don't have very many followers. Um, yeah, that's true. But yeah, Instagram, Twitter, Rabel, Rabel official on TikTok. I'm dead. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I'm dead as well. And definitely listen to his new single, which I believe just dropped back to back. No, is back it Back to just back came... with Duncan Lawrence. It just came out yes. like a week ago or something. It's so good. It's so Thank incredible. You. And for all of you guys out there, please follow us. At- Follow us at SIAT Podcast. Follow Liz at Listen to Liz. Follow me at Carpe Darren. Please rate, review, subscribe. That helps us in so many ways. You can follow us on TikTok, although we need to get super on because we got no dogs in our vicinity. We ravioli toes we, on there. We need ravioli, we need ravioli. ravioli toes because my we face do is doing nothing. Do two screens and you put them yes. both on there. I'll call somebody. We can figure out how what button you have to press. <laughs> yes, that's what we need. We need IT in here. But uh, super and ravioli toes are going to be on a 
date sooner than you think. And I can't wait to hear Rabel's love song based on this budding romance between these two dogs. I'm but very excited. Rabel, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you all so much. I really appreciate the time. Scissoring Isn't a Thing is a production of Embassy Row. Our executive producer is Sarni Rogers. This episode was produced by Alexa Machia and Anna Marie Johnson. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SIAT Podcast. See you next Tuesday.